The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? When everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, it's time for a long overdue Rich and Bellelli chat. From trying to find something good in folks you dislike, to my visit to the Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Expo that was full of great vibes as those who grow things gathered to share. Danielle's short story about headhunting arrives, a penguin joke, no love for Bill Maher, and just because a monster helps an old lady across the street does not make him any less monstrous. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Danielle Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 422. This is a fine Rich and Bellelli episode and He'll be joining me very shortly. He's off at Big Bear for the weekend, so he can't join me for the intro-outro, but he'll be joining us for the Rich Bellelli conversation in just a little bit. So let's get going with all these goodies. The very first thing I know that Danielle wants me to tell you about is that his Geek Nation tour to Japan is confirmed. It is going to be in April of next year, late April of 2024. It is what's called the Signature Battlefield Series, Classic Samurai from the Genpi War to the Mongol Invasions. That's going to be amazing and fascinating. Um, you can go to Geek Nation Tours right now, look up Classic Samurai to check the tour out. I know he is definitely geeked about going on his Geek Nation Tours. I also know for sure that he would love for me to thank Ohm Cellars and Matera Wines for the fine wine that keeps the drunk and the drunken Taoist. We definitely need to include a quick shout out to Dakota Pure Bison. Awesome bison meat shipped directly to your house. They have an awesome $99 box that has brats, breakfast sausage, smoked bison, burger, meat sticks. It's quite a good way to kind of dip your toe into it. Bison is actually fantastic. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So definitely give them a shout. H-O-F-10 for a 10% off your DakotaPureBison.com order. So go ahead and get you some bison. Now for the most important thing, the fine donors that help keep us in business and keep the lights on on our ongoing concern here, the Drunken Dallas. And here they are. Let the pottering begin. Ed and Carrie O. Andre Garapitian. Jim D'Amico. Samuel Rodelli. Joseph Lord. Stephen Rados, GlobalHobos.com, Beacon Immigration, Lane Raper, Donald Chip Witten, Jenny Linema, I'm sure I write that one, Jesse Randakangas, Aaron Wisner, and Clayton Payne. As we say, heroes one and all. So many of these names have been along for such a long time. It is so appreciated what you guys are doing for us to keep it all going. If you want to join these brave heroes and support us, you can contact us at 
PayPal via Bodhi1974, that's B-O-D-H-I-1974 at yahoo.com, or PayPal at paypal.me slash dbolelli, D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. That'll get you into the right slot. Last dimension for our Team Drunken Dallas on Kiva, over $210,000 funded for loans over the years. There's over 155 of you out there that have joined our team. We have over 7,000 loans out. It's $25 that you lend out and you get it back and you lend it again. I have some loans that have been out eight times at this point. So even like a few hundred dollars can turn into thousands of dollars in loans over the years. It's really fun to do. It's fun to find some folks to help out. And you can pick from 85, 90 different countries around the world. So definitely give it a try. Come check it out at Kiva.org and be sure to join Team Drunken Dallas when you get there. A great episode coming up. Let's get right to it. And I'll see you guys on the side after this little music break. It's actually chilly out here today, or almost chilly. Well, the weather's super weird. I know that it's not supposed to be cloudy in September. It's been cloudy a bunch. We right. had a hurricane two, three weeks ago, which was like the third in recorded history, going back to when the Spanish came and stole everything. Yep. Bizarre, to say the least. Which makes you what October will be, because yeah. normally October's roasting. Yeah, we'll find out. It's now roasting now, and it's mid-September, so we'll see We'll see what's up. Mid-September, for us when we're recording, not sure when you guys get it, probably toward the end of September, that's my guess. Yep, yep. But um, I want to tell you a story. I don't know if, yeah, I guess, story, not story. It, I want to tell you a conversation I was having with Isabella that was interesting, that kind of turned on a light bulb in my brain. I was like... It's so obvious, I can't believe I didn't think of it before. Izzy's pretty aware that she's uh, not the least judgmental person in the world. That's good to be aware of. She can be, yeah. And the thing is, it's not with others. I mean, it is with others. But also, uh, she does the same stuff, if not harsher, with herself. That's why, in fact, it's been fun to witness some conversation over the summer between her and Savannah. Because I would spend two days talking to Is and we break it down and we go over things and she feels a little better about stuff, but I move the needle by like five percent over two days. And Sav will say one sentence and he moved the needle by eighty percent in twelve seconds. So I was like, Okay, well, clearly more effective than what I'm doing. She's the Buddha. But yeah, like one thing that she said to to Is when she was so harsh and so, and she said, yeah, you're harsh with others, but the reality is that you're more, it starts because you're really harsh with yourself. And uh, she was like, Is just said something like explicitly about she was what she was saying to herself. And so I was like, listen to what you just had, have said to yourself. Would you say that to yourself at, like you now, yourself at seven years old, and she's like, "No, it's horrible. Why would I say something?" And it's like, "Why are you doing it now?" Exactly. That was precisely where she was going with it. It's kind of like be more aware of that negative self-talk because you don't deserve it. Nobody. It's bullshit. You know, it's not good for you. It's not good for anybody. And that seemed to make a light bulb go in his head, going like, "Oh, 
I do say horrible things to myself all the time. And of course, I also say to others in that sense, where it's like the same judgmental thing that I have toward me. You know, you're so harsh on yourself all the time that when you see somebody who's not even trying, you're like, oh, you're a fucking piece of, you know. So, Which can also be left out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, And actually, in that regard, she made the next jump with this idea that made the light bulb going on in my head, which was Isa started saying, you know what? If I want to break it down and start looking at it, I'm going to find something I don't like in most people. But that's not the point. That's the So what she was saying is, but also I could probably find something that they are good at even in people I don't like. And I can try to learn that in sort of the Bruce Lee style of take the best out of something without taking the crap that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody is maybe not the nicest person in the world, but they are extremely disciplined, you can try to study in a way what they do to be good at that one thing that they are good at. And then you can try to learn it and make it your own. And then you mix it with all your other stuff and it becomes part of who you are. And that becomes a very different way of looking at the world because rather than looking at the world in terms of all the stuff that you see that's bad, that's terrible, that's negative, that's, and maybe it's all accurate, okay? Maybe you're, you're spot on and you see all the right thing, but it still is shitty for yourself. It doesn't create exactly good relations with other people, doesn't help anybody. To flip the switch to focusing on what can I learn from this person? Doesn't mean I'm going to love them or like them even or even think, but is there one thing that I can find there that's useful? Maybe they just have a cheery attitude. Maybe they are disciplined. Maybe they are whatever the hell that they are, you know, something that they are good at, something that they bring forth that's a skill. And I was like, yeah, that's basically the mixed martial arts of human relationships, you know, <laughs> it's like taking the best from different people without having to embrace the whole thing, just taking what works for you. Because one of the things that I notice a lot is that there are people who have good ideas and they take them way too far. You know, kind of like, um, I forget the guy's first name, Goggins, the ultra marathon guy who's like, I run 320 miles, miles in, in the desert with no water kind yeah. of thing. He's a badass as far as discipline and toughness goes, right? Of course, he takes it to a place that's probably not the healthiest thing in the world in many other ways. But it's like, well, nobody told you that you have to be like him. But some of that, you know, tone it down by about 200%. But some of that discipline and toughness is a good quality. It's a great quality. Where he takes it may be way too much to the point of obsession and weirdness, but, you know, you don't have to go there. That's his life. That's his choice. He, he's happy that way. Pfft. Who am I to judge it? You know, it's his thing. But the thing is, what can I get from him without all the downside of what I see it as taking it too far? Just all the tennis shoes you'd have to buy. <laughs> yeah, never mind that. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't know. It got me thinking because I was like, okay, okay. I I see the logic here. I see uh, I see a more productive way of looking at the world, a better way of looking at things, one that's less PC, less angry, less cynical at the end of the day, because rather than having an eye out for all the things that don't work, 
you have an eye out for all the things that you can learn and that you can work on for yourself. And um, so when she said that, when she, you know, made the next jump and jump into this type of thing, I was like, holy shit, there's something I can learn from that. This is a very useful, uh, even for me, I, you know, I'm a little less judgmental than is, but, you know, I'm still, uh, I can get pretty judgmental, pretty cynical and get all snarky. And it's a <laughs> shitty way to live. So I was like, okay, this is a better way. I like it. I'll be interested to see how this year of school goes with that approach. Yeah, I mean, so far better. Like the beginning of high school, she's um, having a better time. She's yeah. uh, she's not going like, oh, wow, everything is wonderful and I'm friends with everybody. But she's like, no, people are cool. You know, I have good, good enough, good enough start. So let's see where it goes. Yeah, middle school is truly just horrible. Middle school is rough, for sure. And, um, and she made it through. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's... That was an interesting one. Is she doing any musical work? In, in, did she join the choir or anything? No, she does not do... Like, it's funny, even in middle school, they were saying, you know, when you sing lead, it's your spot. You are great at it. As part of a harmonizing choir type of stuff, clearly not what you enjoy doing. And... Um, and it's true, you know, it's sure. just where it's, so it's he's in dire sense, he's like, he's realistic about it. It's like, choir, I'm probably not going to be, I'm not going to have that much fun. I'm not going to necessarily make it good for other people. I'm not going to necessarily bring the best out of what I can do. So I rather try other ways to go about it. The lone wolf. Yeah. Which again, Good to know who you are. Yeah. Good to know. She's doing it like a uh, thing that she's doing with other people. She's doing like a dance program that she's happy with. That, you know, she has no problem working with others or doing things. It's just when it comes to singing that she has her, her thing in mind and wants to run, uh, uh, like follow that stuff. Not necessarily like the choir thing is like, it's cool for some people. It works great for them. For me, not so much. I remember Emily did one of those dance group things in high school, and some of those girls were clearly uncomfortable being out there. Really? Worried they about were this getting and that. pushed by the parents, you think? No, I don't think it was even that. I just think when it came to showtime, they just being in front of people was weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, they were nervous about how they looked. Who knows? One of a yeah. thousand different things it could have been. But she just beamed. Yeah, she yeah. She was just yeah. out there doing it, and it was just. Now there's One something great to be moments. said about that ability, right? Yeah. It really is an important thing. Yeah, yeah. That I don't really give a shit of what you think. I'm going to do it, and here it is, and I'm having a good time. And just to be able to send that energy out. That is a skill. Incredible. I heard, um, I did a podcast with uh, the daughter of John Milius. Like, we were both invited as guests and stuff. And one story that she said that was, I was like, yeah, that sounds like Milius a little bit, taking it slightly too far, but a good concept. But uh, she said that, like, he put her in all these schools and she was, like, miserable in some of these places. <laughs> and uh, they were, like, many of the kids were, like, the kids of the Hollywood elite and mm. stuff. And she was like, why do you put me in these schools? You hate these people. They hate you. Why would you... Like, of course, I'm not going to get along with these kids. You know, it's like, what are you thinking? You know, and Bilius was like, that's exactly the point. <laughs> <laughs> Work a little harder to make them hate you. Because the more 
they despise you and the more you are able not to care about it that's a superpower and that you can do anything in life and i was like okay i do see the point but i don't know that i'm gonna put a teenage girl through that in the name of uh you know conan the wheel of pain just like the harder the worse the better because it's gonna make you i mean yeah there's something to be said about not caring about people's judgment you said it right it's it's a great skill to have. Yep. He was going about it perhaps slightly the hard way. <laughs> That's kind of fantastic. We were just watching uh we were just watching Jaws. We're going through like all time great movies. Yeah. You know, Platoon. Oh yeah. Dog yeah. Day Afternoon. Curse. Which I don't think I'd seen like Which one? Dog Day Afternoon. Al Pacino. Yeah, I Robin think I saw it. Uh, yeah, I think I saw it in it's Italian. Been a so long it's, time yeah, yeah, ago, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I never yeah, even yeah. realized but that his boy yeah, yeah. Was to get money for his boyfriend to get his trans surgery in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. How ahead of the game is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just the great ones. But yeah, John Milius, the um, a thousand men went into the water. That speech oh, yeah. is in there, yeah, and just yeah. the thought that he kicked in that jazz. out overnight on the phone. Yes. <laughs> And sent it over. Now, Milius was a genius. He's a disturbed genius like most geniuses you gotta are. Be. But, uh, yeah, she said that going into his house is like, you know, her brother can hardly ever bring the kids without constant supervision because he said there are loaded guns everywhere around the house. <laughs> There's all sort of insanity going on. And it's so, yeah, interesting character. But, uh but even that, right? There's a line somewhere in there between taking a great concept and bringing it a little too far, but then taking it two notches back and being like, there's something to be learned about going on stage in front of people and not being paralyzed by what people think, you yeah. know? And that's healthy. And that is very healthy. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting one. It's like with most things, and that's like Taoism 101, is where do you want to draw the line? There's uh, there's a partial truth in both camps. There's somewhere in there, there's a healthy spot to balance them out. Where exactly is that healthy spot? Let's let's find. Of course, it's different for everybody, and that's where the skill of knowing where it is for you and fi- figuring it out comes in. And the searching for that pivot is your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. And you never get it right. No, I mean, or you do. But then there's the next second. <laughs> then exactly. Now you have there's, to find it again. Funny, those sort of milliseconds of like like awakening. Yeah, or, yeah. Where it's like everything is clicking right now, but you know, in a minute it has all changed. It's funny. I had a bit of that moment when we went to this uh, heirloom seed festival mm-hmm. last week, and Baker Creek's big seed company. And they always have hundreds. I mean, their their catalog must have eight hundred different and varieties of everything. Yeah. And they had done it up in Santa Rosa for years, but they brought it down here. I think the pandemic lost their dates there. It was odd because it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which wasn't convenient, but that was the days. And one of those big exhibit halls was table after table of all these things they'd grown from their seeds, from insane snake gourds that Mm -hmm. are like six feet long to 50 different kinds of pumpkins, 40 different watermelons, all that stuff, piles of them on display. And the folks that showed out, I mean, it was just really well done. I went volunteered. I helped lay out all the hot pepper uh-huh. displays and things like that. And so when everybody showed up, we had to miss Tuesday because I had my procedure. But Wednesday when we went out there, there's a drum circle going on. Nice. Live music of all sorts shifting out every 30 minutes. And um, the vibes were on the level of 
the going to uh, the Eclipse vibes. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking politics or anything like that. It was clearly people of all right shapes and sizes and, and, yeah. and thoughts. But they were there to talk about the plants. It's weird, though. Yeah, I mean... I was literally walking around in my head saying, like, the answers are right here. Of course, of course. I mean, they did a thing called a seed swap. Well, nobody had ever been to a seed swap before. I didn't really know what to do. I have, like, 6,000 charred seeds. Yeah. So I made little packets of 30, and we had a bunch of them in hand, thinking you would literally go along. So it was a table set up. It was not organized at all, and the people crowded in. But there was none of what you would expect. People getting riled. Oh, it's my goddamn turn. And none of that, man. People were it's... chatting with each other. There's interaction and just open. And, you know, I clearly ran into a dick or two. Sure, either, sure, sure. they're going to be there. But the energy was not that at all. And everybody ended up pretty much getting what they wanted. You just had to take your time. And it's a beacon of hope. Yeah, I think is the one of the things that people crave the most is also what makes what you're describing very difficult to pull off, which is identity. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, some, as you said, you know, there are people probably of all stripes and opinions and ideas about just about anything. And yet you put them in that context and they all happily get along and they are swapping seats and talking about their kids and talking yeah. about, you know, stuff where we are human and we want some of the same things kind of stuff. And the problem is that those differences, that in a, when the focus is we are we human, we want the same things, I make you laugh, you make me laugh, we have the similar sense of humor, we're playing, we can throw something where we disagree completely, but it's going to be couched in this overall vibe of we get along, we like each other, so I'm going to try to see it your way, I'm going to try to bring you to see it my way. We're going to try to come to a place where that difference is not about drawing the knives and killing each other. It's hard to do when there's a whole identity built on it, where suddenly the positions become so much more rigid, so much more aggressive, where it's not like the one who tells you, oh, I, I don't know, whatever the fuck the position is. I, <laughs> I find it kind of weird that somebody who's born a man take the medicine and is lactating and breastfeeding a kid. Fuck, that grows me out. I'm disturbed. You know, that's... In a conversation in which the context is friendly, it can be like, okay, sure, I can see how some of the stuff you said, yeah, maybe taken too far. We can agree where the line is, but we also agree that, like, in terms of rights, people should have the right to do whatever they want, and they go, well, yeah, of course. And then, you know, that discussion becomes still a friendly one, even though you may disagree, right? Right. You have to be able to have some disagreement or nothing will ever get settled. But when instead it becomes, and particularly online, particularly in politics, particularly with religion, anything where people build a whole identity around it, there's a line drawn in the sand. And it's like, are you pro or against? And suddenly all the room for mellow discussion and, oh, I can kind of see your point even though I disagree kind of thing goes out the window. Because we're now at you're wrong territory. And we versus them. And them, they out there are not really human like us. They don't deserve this. They are monsters to be exterminated. I mean, even like without getting into specifics, right, without taking a position. But I remember even during the period of covid the stuff that I would read online about vaccines or no vaccines mm-hmm. on both sides was so fucking vicious. 
Like I remember reading stuff where, yeah, there was one in a Facebook thing. I remember these guys were going off about the ones who don't vaccinate. They are basically like rats spreading the plague. They are not really human. They are monsters. And I'm like, I even agreed on the idea. Like, yeah, I would rather, like, I think in this case, the vaccine makes sense. And I think is, so I'm, I'm agreeing with these guys on that viewpoint. But where they take the discussion was pretty much like, let's exterminate those non-vaxxers. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. They are people like you who don't fucking understand science, not really much more than you do, and they are trying to make the best decision for their lives and their kids' lives based on shitty limited information. Is up a second, you well, know? Plus, if you're right about the vaccine, you're going to get your wish anyway, so there's no reason to wish this upon them. And then, of course, the other side was doing the same, right? The no-vax was like, oh, vaxxers, they are brainwashed sheep who's going along with this program to inject the alien DNA into you and turn you uh, into the, the lizard people. Still itch, I find on occasion. Right, and you're like... And so you look at this discussion, and you're like, fucking hell you guys are all nuts you know because that's like in this case it was like people arguing on facebook or some shit so it's like who cares not but the jump from that like how did the war scenes in history ever happen how does something like the holocaust happen or how does something it starts with the dehumanization of the other people whoever the others are right well well, what i was trying to think while you're saying that i remember as the vaccine arrived Uh uh-huh I think the majority of folks were just relieved for a bit. Sure. But then the whole George Floyd stuff happened. You think that's the moment that started polarizing people? No, I think he's... uh, I just was thinking that maybe like now you have an other... I think it's all like everything is like that. I think we are at a place where it's before that, like even we are at a place where anything that anybody say immediately, there are two drawn a line and there's you and them. And that's, and you know, a lot of it is media, both mainstream media and social media, like that, uh, if he bleeds, he leads kind of mentality Mm -hmm. where, you know, we're bombarded 24 seven with trying to find anything to make people mad and outrage them and so of course it works you know because humans are easy creature to manipulate Mm -hmm. and so you feed enough outrage on a daily basis to people people bite people get mad people are they make that switch to they the evil people who are not really human like us so much faster I mean, in that sense, the conversation I had with Amanda Bilis was funny because Amanda, like, we are not exactly on the same uh, playing field in terms of ideas. You know, she is a hardcore work for the Trump administration, uh, did a documentary about defending Trump, did a whole wow. thing like going. And in the conversation we had on the podcast, like she was cracking up, uh, we were having fun. Uh, she it, pretty much anything that came out of my mouth, she agreed with. And I was like, "How is this happening?" And it, because we weren't there having an ideological discussion, mm-hmm. you know. But of course, once you turn in the ideologies, when you turn in the identity, the are you with us or against us? Then it all goes to hell, right? Then we would not see eye to eye on a lot of things. 
I mean, we already don't see eye to eye, but like the whole humanity aspect that would make the conversation possible and even pleasant goes away, and suddenly we are just opposite sides on some issues and yeah. we'll hate each other. And it's like, this sucks. This sucks because it's not the way that... Because that's what leads to all sort of horrible, horrible things throughout history. It's like step one, because I mean, it's hard to kill people. It's hard to send people to horrible destinies. It's so much easier if they are not people. It's so much easier if you don't see them as, uh, hey, they are people who feel some of the same shit you feel and they just happen to have made a different decision based on whatever information was available to them. Yeah. But when you start calling everybody cockroaches. Yeah, that's when it gets a little, uh, and you know, the, the stuff you, and in that regard, yeah, social media has made it a hundred times worse. It was already there before because it's exactly, it's not like there was uh, social media during the Holocaust. Didn't take social media to push no, that. You had to print out your pamphlets and yeah, things like that. Still work. Much, much, much more difficult to distribute, but. Similarly, you know, it's like, yeah, look at human history. It's all a history of once you're part of the we group, we are blood brothers, we love you. If you're not, you're prey. We can do anything to you and the same standards of behaviors do not apply. How long, and maybe it hasn't even fully healed yet, how long did it take for Italy to un untwine all of the partisans versus the nazis they still hate each other yeah it's all still there isn't oh yeah it? yeah well civil war same thing yeah yeah no i mean it's some things don't really go away and but, again and then you see different contexts like i remember shit i had one guy who came to do a martial arts seminar i was teaching and the guy was a full-on nazi like neo-nazi with like uh, his videos on YouTube that he filmed that did were all recreations of himself as a Nazi soldier in 1940. Like, shit, that is insane, right? And then I see him do an MMA fight and, you know, he gets his shit beaten out of him by a black dude and then he's hugging him and congratulating him at the end. And I'm just like, I am so confused right now. There's your doppelganger. Something he's not, presenting himself in yeah. public as being a polite person. Uh, and know he got, I'm sure he had some, some things yeah, to say when he got home. It's strange. It's very, very strange. I guess we all have our masks. Don't we? Yeah, and again, it's not to say that then, uh, you know, everything can be talked away and every difference can be, oh, kumbaya, we are all around the fire patting each other on the back. Some stuff, there's no compromise, you know. It's like, there are situations where it's like, eh, I can, I'm sure you have kids and your mama loves you, but you're still a horrible asshole and you're a danger to everybody and you're trying to do horrible things. You need to be stopped. I get that, you know, that's real too. I guess I feel that we are slightly too quick to go there in just about every situation, you know? is um, That's where... Oh, let me dig it up for you. This one is funny. There's a joke that I think I mentioned it on the podcast once. I like it too much. So it's one of those that... It was attributed to comedian uh, Emo Phillips. I remember Emo Phillips. Yeah. Uh, and I think I mentioned this joke. Not terribly... Because I think this theme that we are discussing right now is strongly on my mind. Because I'm planning to do a history on fire. Uh, on the very... Not on a specific story. But on this theme. On the we versus them. On the mentality in history of how that has affected so much... So many events in history. 
That, of course, by the way, is going to be the episode that nobody listened to because unfailingly, every time I do an episode that's more philosophical rather than a simple storytelling one, that's when the downloads drop. But I'm like, hey, I think it's too important. So for the people who do check it out, I think is... And I believe I want to open with this one, which goes something like this. I was walking across a bridge one day and I saw a man standing on the edge about to jump off. So I ran over and said, stop, don't do it. Why shouldn't I? He said, I said, well, there's so much to live for. He said, like what? I said, well, are you religious or atheist? He said, religious. I said, me too. Are you Christian or Buddhist? He said, Christian. Me too. Catholic or Protestant? Protestant. Me too. Methodist or Baptist? Baptist. Wow. Me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? He said, Baptist Church of God. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Me too. Are you the original Baptist Church of God or are you the Reformed <laughs> Baptist Church of God? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God. Me too. Wow, this is incredible. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, the Reformation of 1879 or Reformed Baptist Church of God, the Reformation of 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, the Reformation of 1915. I said, die, heretics, come and push them off. I love this. <laughs> and that's what a lot of the game we play is like. Yeah, you know, razor thin. This, uh, you got all the boxes checked, but one. Yeah, and the identity thing kicks in and all the... Um, I mean, I'm even going to use... There's a story that I don't even know what to do with it, but this is a story that I've been thinking about that I, I mentioned it when I did the Sitting Bull episodes. But I don't. I can't even wrap my mind around this. So it's Lakotas are. There's a Lakota war party that runs into these two or three tents. It's like a family or two of these guys, uh, Assiniboine, who basically speak the same language. They are clearly used to be part of the same tribe, probably 200 years before or something. Just split along, but now they are not on friendly terms. So they find these guys who are fishing by the river and minding their business and proceed to kill them all, right? Just because they were not us. Because they are not us. There's one kid from that thing. He's like 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that. And he's just shooting with his bow and arrow at the Lakota attackers, trying to keep them at bay. His whole family has been killed in the meantime. It's just him left. Clearly, he doesn't have long for this world, but he's selling his skin dearly kind of thing. And then uh, as Sitting Bull come on the scene, this kid, desperation move, he sees something in him, who knows what the hell it is, run up towards Sitting Bull and say something like, uh, big brother, save me. And Sitting Bull has a, you know, heartstring at him pull somehow. And so he turns to the other Lakota warrior and he's like, I want to leave, I want this guy to live. And so he gives away presents to make sure everybody's cool with it, ingratiate the other warriors, turn down their killing boner kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and just like, they're like, okay, cool. The kid then becomes Sitimbul adopted brother. We live with him for the rest of his life, even in cases where a few years later he has a chance to go back to his tribe. He chooses not to. And so here is a guy who become essentially one of Sitting Bull's closest relationships throughout his whole life. And they were just about to kill him. And they did kill his whole family. Wow. And they're like, 
how do I even begin to make sense of that? There's something there about the human ability to, you are the enemy. Yeah, you're a bunch of two families fishing. We still kill you all. Oh, but we didn't kill this one. Oh, we actually adopted him. Oh, he's actually now my best friend. And it's just like, whoa, what the hell? But I'm sure it's one of those things happened a million times. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like perhaps the guilt gives you that moment to not kill this kid and you find out he's all right and it binds you together. Yep. And then the next thing you know, 30 years have gone by. You're best friends. Yeah. It's that easy. But that's where I'm just like, so if humans are capable of building those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. Why we always spend all day, every day tearing them apart. Yeah, and just being, they are the enemy. Fuck them all, kill them. It seems, I don't know, call me crazy, but I would reserve that for very, 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 very special cases of somebody where, you know, there's try one, try two, try three. There's nothing there. This person is a psychotic murderer who's killing it. Okay, then now we're not going to have a pleasant conversation while... You tell me how you plan to exterminate everyone. You know, that's not going to work. But I'm like, maybe just maybe there are ways to make that the last resort, not the first, not the default mode, you know? You would hope so. And I guess if we want to be optimistic, you know, today most people don't go around killing random strangers because they don't. But Day ain't over yet. Right. But, but the thing is, there's these sort of quote-unquote civilized societies keeping that all in check but it's pretty clear that it wouldn't take much to flip the switch based on how people talk to each other online and in every other way it's um well my greatest fear currently is the big deep fake video yeah yeah, of course of course it's coming yeah where you can convince people of anything because it's you can already uh, make it yeah you can make it with software you can rent for 80 dollars a month yeah no it's and when that trigger gets pulled on that... Yeah, things get a little tricky. What's the Mark Twain quote? Rumors made around the world before the truth gets its pants on. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And and at that point, it's like nothing means anything anymore. You can have all the evidence in the world that somebody's guilty and nobody will believe it. I saw it. You can have people who are absolutely not guilty of something. People would... It's like... Yeah. There's no... At that point, it's just, I like this guy or I don't, regardless of evidence, you know? The Central Park Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Didn't do a damn thing. Yep. And I think those guys spent a couple of years in jail. Right. Which is... Madness. How's that away, allowed? They got away light compared to what oh, yeah. it could have been. Waiting for trial and that yeah, sort of madness. Yeah. But yeah, no, they totally could have gone. Yeah. It's a crazy system we have. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's tricky because the what you describe, that scenario of like people hanging out, finding ways to get along pleasantly, exchange useful information, be friendly to one another. That's how that's how we want to live. You know, that's the ideal. But so much of what we have created around us, some of it in modern times, but some of it, I mean, some of this shit goes back to the dawn of humanity, you know, sometimes seeing the stranger as a potential danger. Definitely. That's the us versus them for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's always been inbred into us, but... I don't know, it just seems Yeah. It's at a it's at a fevered pitch now. And it's all just getting fed every single day. 
there's something to be said about being able to and again you cannot start the conversation on the shit that you strongly disagree about and hope that that's what you know you need to find places with people who are pleasant enough to bond on other stuff yeah and then when it comes to controversial subjects you have earned so much trust and appreciation already at least we can discuss calmly more willing to listen to you and to actually they probably won't change but maybe they shift by 10 percent where you're like i still hold on to my beliefs because i believe a b and c however i do see some cases where okay fine you know and someone might be foolish enough to think that way yeah (laughs) and or you know it's like they don't want to say anybody who believes this need to be lined up against the wall because they like you so then they're gonna find negotiating room for how some cases are okay and then okay i can see how maybe temp and you know you shift the boundaries by 10 percent, and you're like okay that's better than where we were before that's a start a lot of opinions out there makes yep. it difficult indeed i have a silly joke for you oh do tell this guy's driving around cop sees him he's behaving a bit erratically pulls him over in the back seat He's got six penguins sitting back there. <laughs> penguins, okay, that's a good start. Cops like, what's with the penguins? Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, this is my penguins. He said, you need to take them to the zoo. He's like, all right, officer. Gives him two days later. Same guy's driving by, a little bit irregularly, pulls him over. Penguins, back seat again. This time they have sunglasses on. Cops like, didn't I tell you to take them to the zoo? He said, yeah, we had such a good time. Now we're going to the beach. <laughs> I like it. Just a weak little joke. I like it. (laughs) The guy and his penguins. Yeah. I dig it. Here is another one for you. As I'm in a discussion with Iz about, it's essentially about, you know how sometimes there are those conversations between people who are like, hey, certain behaviors or things or events are terrible and evil and they cause so much suffering and other people who are emphasizing what you could do about it. And then group of people, A, say you're victim blaming because you're essentially, like, for example, and I use this purely as an example so we know what we're talking about, but it extends to plenty of other cases. You know, if, like, somebody's, like, uh, don't fucking get blackout drunk at a party with strangers because then, uh, oh, shit happens and somebody gets raped or something. And somebody would say, well, in a sane society... I should have the right to or be able to get blackout drunk at a party with strangers and not have to think that the responsibility is on me because people are actually decent and don't do shit like that. (laughs) Where's the sane society at? Right. And I think it's like both both sides make sense there, right? Because you have the what it should be like you're not giving a pass to the fucking rapist to say no well you know you were dressing with a short skirt what were you thinking you know you're not saying that you're saying ultimately the guilt is still on that piece of shit who's a piece of shit and there's no justification whatsoever yeah however there's also the other side of the equation which is well we know that this is reality that this is how a lot of people are so what can you do to minimize the chances of ending up in a situation where you're vulnerable, where this stuff can happen, and so on and so forth. Get shit faced at your own house. And both things, you know, in, again, in a good discussion, they are 
complementary, right? They are the yin to the yang that way. It's like, yeah, you focus on who truly is at fault in this situation and you focus on protecting yourself from certain situations. More often than not, because of the human mind, we tend to polarize it. So the people who tend to argue for the first are like, I should be free to go out naked at 4 a.m. and flash cash in the middle of the ghetto and uh, nothing should happen to me because <laughs> people are not pieces of shit. Uh, and the others say, well, I'm glad you live in fairytale land. That's not reality. Yeah. It's on you to make sure to protect yourself. And, and, you know, and the positions become slightly more pulled apart to the point where it's like, oh, you're victim blaming and uh, or, yeah, but you're a naive damas who doesn't understand reality. Nothing happens in a vacuum, though. So yeah. It's all the swirl of the world and you do get what you pay for. Yeah. And I do feel like I tend to side more. Like my emphasis in some discussion, because I see it, it wasn't about this specific example, but like we're talking with this because I see her getting uh, emotional and hurt anytime she's faced with things of how people are fucked up and people do horrible things to one another and sort of the evils of the world. Mm -hmm. She takes it a little too much to heart. I mean, not too much. She takes it like it hurts. It sucks. It's uh, terrible. And I tend to flip the switch quickly to, okay, what can you do about it? What can you... And this was like, oh, it's because you're less sensitive than me. I'm like, no, not at all. I feel precisely because I feel exactly what you feel. My reaction, and it may be a denial form, it may be a way to protect my emotion, but my reaction tend to... Or 50 years of being worn down. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, oh, that cat really sucks. Yeah. I'm going to cauterize it as quickly as possible and so focus on more the what can I do about it, empowerment, toughness, self-reliance. And this is like, I don't know, she has a harder time making that shift. And, um, and I don't know, it was an interesting discussion because then I realized how much of that I do in life. Like how much, I just finished writing a short story for his that's entitled uh, Suit. How I, how I severed my first head? That's how it begins. That's the first line. It's like, this is the story of how I took my first head. But like the, the title itself is Soothing Grief and Head Hunting. <laughs> and they are both right there, right? The first is Soothing Grief. is that pain that comes from life, right? A million things in life that fucking hurt, right? That are terrible. And the other one is an ad hunting. And so there's this, you know, bloodthirsty revenge and that kind of thing, which is why, you know, talking with this made me think, is like, why do I, those themes show up so much in my way of thinking? And I'm like, I think it's because I am as sensitive as her. I do get hurt by all sorts of things in life. And my defense mechanism has been to quickly shift to rather than feeling like a victim or feeling like shit about something is like, what can I do about it? Bloody revenge or something, you know, <laughs> where it's like, and it was an interesting discussion because I completely understood where she was coming from. I do understand where I'm coming from. And I'm not sure exactly what the healthy balance is because I don't think that shifting constantly to, okay, what can you do about it is the only answer. But for me, I have a hard time being in any other way 
because it fucking hurts too much to dwell on it, to sit with it, with that feeling, feeling that you can't do anything about it. You know, feeling like a victim is one of the shittiest feelings you can have, you know. And um, I don't know, got me thinking. As I was chatting with these, my mind was going like, because I understood her, but I was like, hmm, that's... I started seeing so many of my choices in light of that discussion. I'm like, there's a lot in my life that's tied to that, from martial arts to some of my bloody revenge fascination to my, or, you know, even economically, the fact that, like, some of my idols growing up are all outlaws. In the face of, uh, you know, economic injustice and people getting screwed over because somebody's born with a silver spoon kind of thing, Rather than just feeling like shit about it, they would go out and uh, rob the bank and give away to friends and family. I was like, that's my idol, right? <laughs> and why is because, again, it's that rejection of victimhood. And I realized, oh, man, that same thread shows up in so many things that are part of my way of thinking. Well, I've printed the story out, so it will be read by our next time. Have my have my review. I look forward to it. I already read the last line, so that's kind of cheating a little bit, but it's all good. I couldn't help myself. Yes. I look forward to uh, hearing what you think. I think it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's the story (laughs) of a 15 year old girl from the Skitians 2,500 years ago. So nomadic horse uh, people from the steppes. And uh, it's a sweet coming of age story. Definitely not an easy life back then. No, but um, and it, one thing that's interesting about those guys, and I think that's why I went there, and that's why I wrote it for her too, is about this sense of empowerment. Their women were absolute badasses. You know, that's where the myth of the Amazons come from. Mm. It came from uh, the fact that Scythian women, you know, because they were primarily archers, so you don't have to go like body against body, where clearly physical strength makes a big difference as archers and fantastic riders a woman could be as deadly as a man at a distance and so a lot of their women fought as much as the men did in and so there's a sense of speaking of not being a victim you know you are can you die like anybody else of course can terrible things happen of course but you are a warrior about it you know you're not just sitting there as the victim of something about to happen so, I don't know. I had fun with it. I haven't written a short story in forever, so I had a blast doing it. Well, there'll be an anthology before long, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It came out as over 7,000 words or so. So Having listened to the discussion on writing last week, was this one carefully outlined or did it just yeah. squirt out? It was carefully outlined until the very end. And the last chapter, as I was getting there, I was like, I'm not happy with, I mean, it ends okay, but like I had a certain image that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't add anything to the story. And then I added a layer at the end that I'm like, oh, we can turn it around this way, which then meant I had to go backward and insert something earlier in order to lead to that point. And it added, you know, it didn't change the story that much, but it changed the emotional tone of it. It made it considerably emotionally deeper. And I was like, okay, now I like it better. But yeah, I was this close to the end before that clicked. Well, that's nice though. So you have to, you create, it's Chekhov's gun. You're placing oh. something earlier. Yeah, yeah. I thought around. I had the whole outline. And then I, as I get to the end, I'm like, no, let's switch it up. I'm enjoying the fact that the uh, United Auto Workers are on strike. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. being crafty about it. They picked 
of the three companies, their three most profitable car lines are the factories that they close first. Yep. And they're going to keep working, so 80% of them are still working. Right. And they have a big amount of money for strike funding, too. A lot of helps. But um, I was watching some poor, one of the executives got put out front to mm-hmm. answer the question is, why did you guys have 40% increases in your salaries yep. over the past 20 years, and these guys have had like three? Precisely. And this could be a good moment. Yeah, it's not going so well for the Hollywood strike that's going on forever, like the writer strike. The studios are not budging. The studios are doing exactly what Bob Iger said they were going to do. Yeah. Wait till October, they'll start losing their houses. Right. And they'll come crawling back. I mean, already, what's that fucking guy's name? Bill, Bill Maher. Maher. Yeah, what a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. He's gone full Dennis Miller. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Bill Maher that's interesting, too, is that people now, many people who liked him 10, 15 years ago are like, I hate his guts now. That's me. Honestly, I always thought he was a piece of shit. The difference was that 15 years ago, he was a piece of shit with with opinions that I often agreed with. And today is a piece of shit with opinions I don't agree with. But I don't see it as having flip like i remember when i watched that uh, movie documentary that he made about religion way back in the day making fun of essentially evangelicals and shit like that and i mean we start from the point of view that i agree with his conclusion on a lot of that stuff easy targets and and i was like wow you are really awful human like the way he put it together the way he he's attitude about it i was like why do I kind of agree with him and find him absolutely intolerable? Well, and now it's even clearer because like, okay, now I don't even agree with him. So that makes it even easier. But I never liked the guy. His biggest problem, he's like five foot four. Yeah, that doesn't. But, you know, there are plenty of five foot four people that who are, are nice. perfectly he happy, ain't, he nice. Ain't one of them, though. No, no. Who doesn't well, he have his girlfriend, kind of, do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Cara Santa Maria. Yes, I remember. The, um, bad taste. Yeah, I don't know. Mar is just one of those guys that I'm just like, yeah. No, so he's just going to add scab to his. Yeah, of course. But he'll say, well, I'm not hiring any writers. I'm doing my own writing. But still, there's yeah. no way he can have that job and not be Screen Actor Guild. No, exactly. That's... And uh, my nemesis, Drew Barrymore, oh, yeah. tried the same thing. She just changed her tune twice. So. Yeah, she sure did. She backtracked. It's because I sent her a text. Scab going to be a scab. Scab is a scab. That's what that's Scab what going to scab. Because it was said. your text. Well, you know, we have our we have our long um, troubled relationship. Yeah. Going back a decade and a half now. Nah, she, I mean, at least, you know. I wasn't surprised. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And again, whether it's for a calculated uh, oh this is gonna be bad for me and realizing it or whether because she actually listened I don't even care it's like it's not like we're friends and I have to the end result is she switched and decided okay that was a dumb decision I'm not gonna do it so worked out well we'll give her half point for that but yeah yeah but it's a terrible decision though you just can't you just can't do that you know like the guy from the 70s show um, the rapist yeah I want to say Daniel Masterson. It's probably I'm getting the it's name right. Wrong very much. close to that. I will confirm it. The, in and then his co-star Mila Kunis, and then they wrote a letter, not just defending him or saying about their experience with him, but talking about his uh, wonderful character and so on. And then they are now getting uh, roasted slowly on the fire for that because 
you know, writing glowing letter of uh, support for uh, convicted rapists. He's one of the rapists. nicest res- rapists I've ever yes, met. Fun at parties, generally. Um, yeah, madness. Yeah, but it's funny because it's like people like that have like three zillion uh, public relations folks to watch over what they say. Mm-hmm. Did really nobody think that that was probably a bad idea? They probably just fired it off by themselves one afternoon. And decided, uh, what could possibly go wrong? We're just trying to be on our pal's side in this tough time of looking yes. at 30 to life. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And he's not that old. Yeah, so that's, okay, that's the opposite of what we were saying earlier. You know how we were like about, oh, sometimes human relationships, you can get over some. That's if you start in the name of a human relationship where the guy offered you a sandwich or pat you on the back, you're suddenly excusing the fact that he's a serial rapist, probably you should go back to being a little harsher. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> when you have taken the balance a little oh, too hard the other way. Everything can go either way. It's so dangerous. Uh, yeah. I don't think I'll ever get it all right. In light of that, as usual, it's so much of... I mean, it's the same story with so many of the things we talk about because that's life in a nutshell. You know, it's like there's uh, almost anywhere you can find partial truths which is where people then are like, both sides, and that even becomes a dogma, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you find good on both sides, you find bad on both sides. And it's like, there's some truth to that and there's some bullshit to that. There's some truth to that because usually there's a grain of truth even in the most horrible stances and there's some part that's missing in even the best stances, that's true. But then painting it all in the same, uh, oh, it's all a shade of gray is like, no, there's, if you are 99% a monster and you help the old lady cross the street, that doesn't make up for the other 99% and vice versa. It's not on the same level as the shade of gray of somebody who's fucking amazing all the time and there's one moment where they yell at somebody in an undeserved way, you know, not the same thing. And not all the apology letters in the world from your friends are going to help fix that up right. either. Yeah. So it's, uh, as usual, is, uh, yeah, there's something right here and there's something right there. The key is where's that right balance is and figuring that out. And on occasion, you will find a moment where it feels like oh, yeah. things are going in the right direction. Yep. They are few and far between, but it was nice to have visited one. Right? It's all you got is that one moment. I think it's actually my mom's dog philosophy because I was talking about it with Sav the other day where we were like, does this dog, like, you know, he eats literally, if he sees a rock on the road, he'll start showing it down and eat anything, right? He's like, (laughs) eat now, ask questions, never kind of thing. And I was telling her, no, I think his philosophy is, uh, of course, there's room for things beside eating, but the present moment is for eating. <laughs> Anything that's not the present moment is where other things can come in. But it's going to be hard to escape that one. So far, has always been the present moment. I, at the last second, I just, do you remember we were talking about like yoga people? Oh, and yeah. The crystal people yeah, are yeah, all yeah. enjoying the same madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally true. Oh, yeah. They're the ones that are like the QAnons. And well, case in point, right? So you start with something good, alternative health, yoga, whatever the hell, and you're like, oh, the pharmaceutical industry is shitty and exploitative. And Definitely you're like, true. There's a 100% truth. correct. 
and in many cases they put their money to influence results and they sell you all sort of sheets in collusion with government and, and I'm like yep that's also checks out yeah and then you know you're going like step one you're 100 percent step two you're 100 percent and before you know it you're like and so if you take the vaccine that means that uh, the lizard people have gotten to you and you'll be eating babies before midnight and you're like I'm sorry. Let's backtrack a couple of what, you know, <laughs> and and that's where it becomes a problem because you know you see people who start from stances where they are right, but the shift happens uh, a little too quick, a little too hard. But is that them and, introducing uh, the others, and is that the same path that fascism follows? The I mean, same sort of like mind control or loss of. A capacity of seeing that the lizard people probably isn't have you met a lizard person yet right and i think that's the problem of partial truths that you know you fall in love with something that you are forget if you're wrong but even if you're absolutely right you are this is it so who's against this those guys those guys also brush their teeth that means brushing their teeth is evil and it's like oh. not quite you're think missing a step there you know and I think that's what the problem of partial truths is, that you take something that's correct and take a little too many steps in that direction and it stops making any sense. Well, we'll leave those words to David Byrne. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dials podcast. We certainly did cover many different topics through there. And I hope you guys enjoyed the chat. And we'll be back with you real soon. Thanks so much for joining us. And I hope you all have a great week. Goodbye. Would you like to hear a terrible story? Yes, always. One day the rod shall teach you. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo!